Cable Smith, welcoming everybody into another episode of Campfire Conversation. Special guest today, Lewis Cusack. He is the executive director of the SCI Alaska chapter, a uh, recent guest of the show, actually. Uh, but jumping back on now because we've got a, a pressing issue to cover. If you're paying attention uh, within the last week or so, you might have seen that the feds are contemplating closing something like 43 million acres, I think was the last uh, or the most accurate number that I saw. 43 million acres of public land. They're going to close it to you and I, the American hunter, the tax-paying American hunter, and they're going to close it to caribou and moose hunting. They're even going to close it to Alaskan residents like Lewis, who's lived there since the 1980s. So why are the feds thinking about closing down a, a piece of land, basically that's the size of the state of Georgia, to non-resident hunters, even resident hunters, non-subsistence hunters that don't live there in the unit? Why are they doing this? Is, there's got to be a scientific reason, right? Um, also, all you Western guys who voted for Biden, where are you on this? I mean, I got to call a spade a spade, and you guys deserve a lot of criticism here, to be frank. Like, most of you, the ones that I'm aware of who used your platforms to voice support for Biden because of the scary orange man and his hate of public lands, which is totally false. But here we have this giant proposed land grab or, or closure to non-resident, non-subsistence hunters, both Alaska natives and otherwise. Here we have this situation going on. And I haven't seen a damn word from any of them other than uh, Stephen Ronella. Meat Eater did come out and say they were against this. I certainly applaud them for that. Uh, I don't understand why it took BHA so long to, like, as soon as I saw it in the news, like, I think it's our duty to, to comment. You, you put together a press release. That doesn't take a week or 10 days. You have people that write those things, and they can knock them out in 24 hours. I don't recall there being a holiday last week, so I don't know why they weren't the first ones crafting a message saying, hey, we're opposed to this as a public land advocacy group. Uh, so I was disappointed about that. At least they did actually come out and say they were, uh, but it should have been something that was, boom, immediate reaction, in my opinion. Uh, but anyway, I could go on and on about why this is such bullshit, but Lewis actually, as an Alaskan resident, is there living it day in and day out. And so uh, let's bring him on right now, making his return to the show, SCI Alaska Chapter Executive Director, Lewis Cusack. Great to have you back on. Certainly enjoyed our last conversation with uh, Technical Sergeant Dan Fye, who went on the Wounded Warrior uh, Moose and Grizzly Bear Hunt of a Lifetime with you guys. So uh, great work you're doing there, and, and great to have you back on. Hey, thanks. Thanks for asking me. Thanks for yeah. having me on. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool to be able to do that. And, you know, as we spoke last time, we're getting all geared up to do it again this year. And I, I think this year we're going to end up uh, actually taking out nine wounded warriors on three different uh, hunts. One one brown bear hunt, uh, six guys on a moose hunt, and then uh, three guys over to Fognac Island hunting blacktail deer. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Awesome stuff you guys are doing. Thank you. Um, well, very cool. So let's talk about what's been in the news over the past 10 days or so. And I was pretty, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty pissed off when I saw the headlines, you know, saying that 
the new administration is looking at banning about I've heard different estimates, but between 40 and 60 million acres of uh, public land to uh, non-resident hunters, um, which they kind of did it under a guise, though. And I'll let you talk talk more about it, but they only closed it for like August and September, which is prime time for moose and caribou. So essentially they're closing it to moose and caribou um, and, you know, they're saying, oh, well, you can come throughout the rest of the year. Well, there's really there's no appeal for that. I mean, I wouldn't come up to Alaska just to go hiking. Right. For me personally, I want to come hunting up there. Uh, so what was your take on what to me seems like a pretty egregious, um, stance for, for them to put out there. Uh, but, but what were your thoughts as an Alaskan resident? I think that's why it's people need to understand. It's so important that we're talking to you because, uh, you've lived there for a long time. Uh, not only, only have I lived up here, I actually hunt in Unit 23, and, and I, I've been fighting this for years. I mean, we fought it through the Obama administration, uh, got a little bit of relief during the Trump, Trump administration, and, uh, you know, here we are again under a different administration. And, you know, the, the Northwest Arctic rack is, is known for pulling out all stops to try to lock out anybody that isn't, uh, quote, unquote, a federally qualified local subsistence hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's, it's good and bad news that, you know, you know, the bad news is, is that here we are again, you know, year on year, you know, coming up with a new excuse why, uh, this area wouldn't support non-local hunting. And the good news is, is that the nation is finally catching on that, Hey, the federal subsistence board is doing everything they can to lock out, you know, what I call United States tax paying citizens that have a right to use and access our federal public land. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, one of the biggest things about sitting through one of these rack meetings, you know, you're literally cracking enamel when you do that. I, I actually flown up to cost of you and set in on, set in on them. And, you know, you've got a group of people, constantly referring to our federal public land as their land. And it's, it's simply not, you know, it's, it's our land belongs to all of us. And, right. you know, there are opportunities when it makes sense to shut down honey in, in order to ensure that the subsistence harvest occurs. But this is certainly not the case in it, particularly in this case. Well, and let me ask you this, like Alaska is the biggest state in, in the union. Uh, Texas is second in landmass. Um, so I like that. I like that about both our states. There were these giant um, places, bastions of, of freedom. You know, I still think uh, Texas, uh, although it's kind of trending the other direction, but we're, we're proud of our heritage. Alaskans are proud as well. But to think that um, these subsistence hunters need a landmass the size of the state of Georgia? I mean, how many people put it in, put it into population terms. How many people live there? Um, Lewis, you know, I don't, I don't know the total population, but we're I talking mean, about, it, we're talking about that, like a couple 10,000 max. I mean, yeah, it's not like nah. there's millions of people that need this land. It's the, that's the absurdity of it. You don't need a landmass the size of Georgia to, you know, to feed yourself for the year. It's absolutely utterly ridiculous 
Uh, I think in the uh, SCI press release, it was actually what forty-three million acres. Yeah, forty-three million acres. Okay, that's a pretty effing big piece of land. Um, and the know. other the other thing to think about is the statistics. Like, it's the the subsistence hunters are getting to hunt pretty much year round. They get to hunt bulls. They get to hunt uh, cows in both moose and elk species. I think I even read they could kill a calf or a fawn if they wanted to. Uh, so they really don't have uh, like any strict limitations on when or where they can take an animal. Yeah, and yeah, there's one there's a, a short time period when you can't take cows, you know, and you know the audacity of the whole thing is that um, this really isn't based on the resource and or the harvest. I mean, the, the statistically, there's there's no data in the world that would say, hey, you can't get your caribou every year. I mean, they kill them, you know. And, it, you know, it's a rough estimate, 10 to 14,000. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's the most inaccurate number we have in our resource composition data because we use household surveys versus actual reporting. You know, whereas the, the rest of the non-locally qualified subsistence users harvest around, you know, 300 to 350 caribou a year. So this literally has nothing to do with resource. It has all to do with the guys of uh, that the not you know non-qualified uh, subsistence users or, or hunters are, are creating enough train plane traffic to turn the herd. So that's interrupting the migration, and they're not able to harvest the caribou. And, and to me, you know, the funniest part is is that. You know, there's there's historical archaeological sites, you know, in places like there's uh, a famous portage called the Onion Portage on the Kobuk River. Mm-hmm. But thousands of years, over eight thousand years, uh, Alaska natives and 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 other cultures have traveled. You know, it, you know, at some point they probably traveled months to get to a place called the Un- the Onion Portage, where caribou traditionally cross, and they, and they. They kill thousands of caribou, and today they do it. You know, with you know, they have rifles and and boats with big motors on them, and, and they're running up next to the herd in the river and shooting them in the river, which is you know a traditional harvest. But the audacity that you know local subsistence users can shoot thousands of—I'm talking thousands of caribou—right in one location, you know, running a boat next to the caribou and shooting more shots by far in that one crossing than fired in the whole state uh, or the whole unit uh, by by non-qualified uh, users, right? Non-qualified so, means non-resident or... Not, not, it means non, non-resident, non-local. See, yeah. uh, so even you couldn't was, hunt there? I can't hunt there. It, you know, the, the governor's passed, life right? is... For, the audacity of the whole thing is that... Some people would make this, you know, a native versus non-native discussion. It really isn't. It's local versus non-local. I mean, the governor's wife is from Norvik, which sits right slap dab in the middle of Unit 23. And if this WSA was the past, even she couldn't go back to her native village and hunt caribou with her family. Wow. Wow, it's absurd. So... I was looking at the population trend of the caribou, and, and this also uh, affects moose as well, but yeah. uh, the caribou seems to be the main point of contention. And, you know, like 30, 40 years ago, the caribou numbers had dropped dramatically, and I, 
I mean, I don't know what else to attribute to than over harvest. And that wouldn't have been from non-resident hunters getting to Alaska, uh, half a century ago and actually going on that hunt seems like it would have been much more difficult then than it is now. Uh, so why did these caribou numbers drop? Because I I do understand that we're close to like 240, 244,000 in that herd as of, uh, 2020, that's a lot of animals. And you're talking about killing the, the subsistence, subsistence hunters are killing between 10 and 14,000 with non-resident hunters killing 350, give or take, you know, 20 animals or something like that. So the herd seems pretty sustainable. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I forget the terminology they are, but I mean, unless it drops below 200,000, it'll start getting nervous for lack of a better way to put it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, and if you, if you look back at the, at the, uh, some of the biological data that, you know, they contribute, um, you know, the big die off to, uh, mature, to losing a bunch of mature cows. I mean, they had a, a, a pretty old population of cows and they had a pretty, pretty extreme die off. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's the only thing that they credited that uh, significant uh, reduction in, in the numbers too. So, okay. And then, you know, I mean, the whole, the whole thing's kind of nuts. I mean, we will probably hear testimony today if you call in, you know, where um, and I think the federal park service is going to say that there's been a significant increase in flying, you know, you know, by private planes and, you know, how can you have an increase in flying and a decrease in hunters? Right. <laughs> you know, and, and have a significant drop in harvest. I mean, you know, the the state and the feds have closed moose hunting to non-residents. They've significantly dropped the harvest for non-residents. Uh, the state has built huge corridors in different areas where, you know, user conflict may or may not have been the case you know, trying to meet the middle ground so that, hey, you know, everybody could have the opportunity to use our federal public lands. And I'll probably say that a thousand times because, you know, we don't hear it enough. The feds never refer to it as our federal public lands. And they'll they'll sit there and listen throughout the whole meeting. And if you tune in today, you'll hear it a lot. You know, individual small groups of people referring to the land as theirs when it simply isn't. Right. Never has been really. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the thing is maybe it's because it's Alaska and it's so far removed from the lower 48 geographically. And also because Alaska's population is uh, very sparse, all things considered, maybe it's like people just don't un- understand or kind of indifferent or think, well, Alaska's so big that what, why does it even matter? Uh, but that's a huge freaking piece of land that there that belongs to you and i like you said and to the and to the subsistence hunters it's theirs as well but it's all of ours it's no more theirs than it is ours um and you know it it was pretty i was pretty offended to read that i do want to ask you though you said you got a little relief during the trump administration um i I struggle with this because i see a lot of these western hunters champion championing uh biden like telling their audiences hey go vote for biden um, because he's the savior of public lands. Like, what did Trump do in his four years that ever, in your opinion, um, let's just say, was misuseful of public lands or or prevented public land access to hunters? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, the whole thing around the Trump administration was because he wanted to open up Anwar and other places to drilling, you know. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, it, you know, if you if you listen to the to the you know, you know, the Obama administration and now the the Biden administration, you know, the waving the global warming flag, which, you know, there's data that you know, granted that the Earth is getting warmer, but there's nothing historically or otherwise that that shows that we can't successfully produce oil in the state of Alaska in remote regions without impacting either the resource and or the environment. You know, I, I I came to Alaska in 1986 to work in the Prudhoe Bay oil field. Uh-huh. You know, so I've, I've personally witnessed, you know, the growth of the Prudhoe Bay uh, oil field and the local, uh, the local caribou herd. I mean, they, 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 uh, they migrated basically on our lease every summer. It, it, it was their cabin area, you know, and, and we actually worked in the middle of them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of ludicrous to think that, you know, with today's technology and, and with today's environmental impact studies and, and, envir- and permitting that's required before you ever stick a shovel in the ground, to think that we could not successfully and safely produce oil. Right. Right. So, and, you know, I come from a state where every deer lease, every ranch is littered with um, oil platforms, you know, drilling platforms. And uh, now Weishill deer don't migrate to the tune. Really, they don't migrate, but they're not affected. It doesn't they, they learn to just, oh, there's a, a platform. I'm just going to walk around. It doesn't they don't even it's just part of the landscape. And maybe it's an eyesore. OK, maybe people don't want to see it. Uh, but. At the end of the day, our population is just continuing to explode. How do we, we have the resources? And like you said, there's a responsible way to, to extract those resources without altering the uh, movement of wildlife. So I don't get that. What I found infuriating, though, was all these folks who said vote for Biden and they're hunters. And I'm like, OK, what about the Second Amendment? No, no, no. We don't give a shit about that. It's all about public land. And then one of, within four months, here we have the biggest basically land grab public land grab that I've ever seen in my lifetime come to the forefront. Um, and none of them seem to care to comment about it. Like I, I, I don't get it. Yeah. I love the part where we're only closing a small part of the season, right? You know, just the season that is open to every individual who could possibly access that area. You know, I mean, you know, about the end of September, if things start icing up and they start freezing up and getting in and out of that region becomes extremely difficult, you know? So, right. It's, it's it's kind of a joke the way they're going about it because, you know, they're trying to make it sound like, oh, it's just temporary, it's a good thing, you can still get in there and hunt, you know, which is which is BS for lack of a better way to put it. Right, right. Yeah, I just thought it was ironic once, you know, all they do is bash Trump and then, hey, um, Biden does something so under his administration so egregious and they just give him a free pass. And, uh, you know, it pisses me off to see that. Um I just think people just don't know what's really going on. I mean, you know, you know, you believe you believe because somebody says on TV that's truth, you know. And the reality is, is that you know everybody's trying to sell their cause, and everybody tends to inflate the information in order to make their cause look a little bit better, a little bit bigger. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. What do you think about um, Secretary, the new Secretary of the Interior, Deb Haaland? Do you think that this has her fingerprints on it? Um, because SCI grilled her, uh, senators grilled her, um, you know, conservatives saying, hey, can we get a commitment from you for a no 
net loss hunting policy, meaning we're not asking for more. Uh, we just don't want to lose any. And she would not commit to that. Kind of like no. Biden wouldn't commit to not packing the Supreme Court. Like he just skirted the question. And she kind of did the same thing on that topic. Do you think that her fingerprints are on this? Like that, that they're feeling emboldened to make this move now that they maybe have somebody in their corner? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, no doubt. I mean, and if you look at, at every person that's getting appointed under the administration, I mean, it's, it's you know, every person, you know, to the person is, you know, extreme radical environmentalist, you know, and I, I, see, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, if you, if you looked at right? like when, when they, when they have a, when they have a rock meeting, right. They, they, you know, they put out, you know, the agenda and they put out a bunch of information and then, you know, every time they put, they, they put out the agenda, you know, they, they put out this, kind of a cheat sheet on how to build a wildlife special action, you know, if you want, if you want to submit, you know, a written request. And the, the last one that came out was almost verbatim, word for word, WSA 2101. And I actually complained about it. It's like, you know, it's like a cheat sheet, guys. I mean, you basically, all somebody has to do is print and sign it, and they've got a, you know, a tailor-made WSA. And lo and behold, what do we have? WSA 2101. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, the big um, the big comment among sportsmen when it was pertaining to Deb Howland's appointment was she's a preservationist, not a conservationist. There's a big difference. Like, preservation is what essentially they're trying to do here. Like, hey, we're going to remove all of the uh, non-native, um, non-subsistence hunters in the name of what? Conservation? No, because we know we don't have a declining population of caribou. So that's not conservation. Conservation is, I don't know how expensive those tags are, but I guarantee you they're not cheap. Um, so once again, it's preservation. And, well, you know, uh, I mean, the audacity of it is, I mean, if, if you just look at the resource, right, if you just took everybody out of it and looked at the resource and you looked at the harvest data, right? Yeah. You know, non resident can't shoot a cow to begin with, you know, residents can, um, in some cases, but, you know, for the most part, you know, if you look at those 350, you know, per on average caribou that are, that are harvested, they're all bull, you know, and right. caribou just like whitetail, right? You, you know, you take out a bull, you take out a whitetail buck, you don't hurt, you don't hurt anything because another bull, another buck just walks in and takes his place. Right. Yeah. Whereas you shoot a doe or you shoot a cow, you know, you, you've done something then because you, you, you interrupt the whole heredity there. Right. Right. And, right. you know, of those 10 to, to 12,000 caribou that, that, that are harvested, you know, many, many, many of them are cows and, you know, to a much greater and a much more significant impact in those 350 caribou that, that are, that are harvested. So, I mean, in no way, shape or form, could you look anybody in the eye and say, this is about protecting a resource. Because mm -hmm. that would that would really be a joke, <laughs> right? You know, the the audacity, the whole thing is is that, you know, you know this 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 doesn't this doesn't even support subsistence. It, it actually goes against subsistence. I mean, realistically, I mean, you know, it, for eight thousand years, people have been traveling from far regions to come to Unit Twenty Three to harvest their winter meat. I mean. 
you know, natives and, and, and other cultures too, camped on the river for months, harvesting meat, drying meat, you know, securing their winter meat and, and then leaving and going back to, you know, to the local area, local village, you know, whatever they, they lived in back then. But, you know, so the whole thing goes against a true subsistence grain, right? I mean, it's just like today, right? Uh, you know, a lot of natives had to leave the village in order to support their family, right? You know, they, they, they came to Anchorage, they went to the lower 48, you know, some are in Washington supporting, uh, you know, native rights and native culture. Every one of those individuals will be blocked from coming back to their homeland to, to, to participate in a subsistence harvest. There's nothing about this that really truly supports subsistence because it goes completely against the grain of 8,000 years of history of what true subsistence really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so what is this? Um, you guys have this meeting coming up this afternoon. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a public hearing on the request. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, each individual's opportunity to call in and either, you know, protest against or, or, you know, submit support. And, you know, we're really, really hoping that today, you know, there's, there's a huge, vast number of people that call in and say, you know, Hey, we, we don't support this, that there's no, there's no scientific, there's no biological and there's no practical data either from a resource and, or a user, uh, a user conflict perspective that supports this and, and, Mm. And we're totally against it, you know, and I, I, I hope that a number of people do it. I mean, there's, there's some tricks that get pulled in these public hearings and, and you'll hear them today. And I really hope, you know, historically they've been, you know, pretty lenient on people calling in and letting them rattle on for well past two minutes before cutting them off. And, you know, I've seen tricks pulled a lot where, you know, you can see people on the phone during the meeting texting people telling them to call in and they'll get on the phone and, you know, just keep talking in order to tie the phone up. So I'm really hoping that that doesn't happen today. You know, the feds are, the feds are feeling the pressure though. I mean, you know, this thing started out with, you know, it's going to be a two hour meeting and they weren't accepting, you know, written, uh, a public testimony. Right. And then, uh, I think it was like 10 days ago, they, they came out with an announcement that they were accepting written, uh, written testimony. And, you know, that was my perspective, right? This Lewis Cusack guessing, no, no, no data behind it, but, you know, looking to maintain two hours and to keep from having to hear it from quite a number of citizens. And, you know, there was a lot of noise made about that. And, yeah. uh, and now they've extended it, you know, from, it's from five to seven, originally it's from three to seven now in order to allow more people to, uh, to provide public testimony. So, mm. Okay. But people well, are fired up and it's, you know, it's. I'd encourage folks to join SCI uh, because they are, you know, they're on the front lines uh, defending our rights. And when things like this come out, um, you know, they're going to fight it with a fervor that's unmatched uh, among sporting organizations. Uh, Sportsman's Alliance is another great one too, as far as fighting for our rights. Um, uh, Lewis, you are the, um, the uh, chairman of the SCI Alaska chapter. Uh, if folks want to get involved, like you guys, 
obviously need support taking these wounded veterans on hunts. Uh, where can they, where can they find you guys? Well, you can find us on Facebook at, uh, SCI Alaska chapter. You can find us on the web at aksafariclub.org. And, uh, you know, we make a lot of noise. So, you know, if you're on Facebook or, uh, or if you're on our email address, you'll, you'll hear a lot from us. You know, we try to stay in, you know, pretty constant combat contact with our membership and, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can. Well, I understand you are, uh, jumping off to, uh, to bear camp after this, this call today. So, uh, good luck. Are you, I guess you're chasing what black bear spring black bear. No, we're, we're chasing coastal brown bear. So now I'm really jealous. Man. Yeah. We, <laughs> I'm actually not going hunting this, this trip we're going in and, uh, there's kind of a new area that I started hunting in about a year and a half ago. We're actually going to go in and, and set up a base camp so that we don't have to try and cross, cross the bay with, you know, in Alaska, you know, a lot of times you get these big tides and, you know, a bay would be, you know, 10, 15 feet deep mm. until the tide goes out. And then it's a mud flat, you know, several miles long. So trying to get back and forth across the bay to hunt can be quite the challenge. So we're, we're going in and, kind of a cool area kind of sits up on a cliff but you know to set a base camp you got to go in there and cut out and, and build some flat temporary platforms to set tents up on and stuff and uh but that'll put us in the area and then we'll be in the area 24 7 hunting and uh i'm really nice. stoked about it because you know when you look at that area when the tide goes out i mean it, it literally looks like somebody ran a plow through there with for all the bear tracks so mm. hopefully we're gonna kill a couple of monsters and have a good time at the same time. So, right on. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time, Lewis. I'm sure we will be in touch uh, somewhere on down the road, probably in the near future, as we keep tabs on on what's going on there uh, in Alaska. Sure, uh, thank you. I really appreciate the time, and uh, you know, once again, the public hearings today from three to seven Alaska time. That's uh, what would that be? Six to ten your time, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Hopefully people call in and, you know, at least call in and listen if you don't want to, you don't want to testify. Uh, I think it's important that everybody at least calls in and listen. Because right then, you, you know, it seems like an audacity when you read about it. I think when you, if you were to call in today and listen, you'd probably see the true audacity of the whole thing. It might blow a gasket, to be frank with you. <laughs> yeah, it might blow a gasket. And I, I tell you, I tell you a funny story. I, you know, I, you know, I, I deal with some of the transporters, and you know, I, I, some of the transporters live in the area, right? And uh, you know, I spoke to a transporter, to a transporter because you know it's supposed to be a commercial sportsman's seat on each rack, right? And mm -hmm. and in Unit Twenty Three, the Northwest Arctic rack, probably the biggest adversary that to, to non-local hunting sits on the sportsman's commercial seat, which, you know, to me is, is ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of asked that uh, friend of mine, I said, well, you know, why aren't you on the rack? Why don't you sign up and rep, you know, so we have a true sportsman's true commercial representative. And his response to me was I'd go to jail. Mm. You know, it would be such, it would be, uh, he, you know, I basically said I couldn't sit there and listen to that without, you know, it becoming, you know, something that comes and blows. And, and if you ever set in on one, you probably could certainly appreciate his perspective. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll be, uh, I don't know how long I'll be able to 
I was sitting on the meeting. Uh, son has a baseball game this evening, but I think it's not until 7.30, so I could probably at least sit in for an hour, uh, which cool. I plan on doing. So uh, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for keeping us in the loop. And we will, uh, like I said, we'll keep tabs on this gross overreach that, uh, you know what, it's them just trying to take our land away, which Sounds is yeah, egregious. So thanks, Lewis. You're welcome, man. I look forward to hearing your perspective after uh, listening to this. Right on. Well, we will be in touch. Take care, my friend. All right. Lewis Cusack, Executive Director, SCI Alaska Chapter. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little jealous every time I talk to Lewis, considering he gets a doll sheep tag every year, a moose tag every year, caribou tag every year, uh, brown bear tag every year. Uh, I, who knows what else? But <laughs> black-tailed deer, yeah. That just uh, They hand those out to Alaska residents. and then, But to tell him he can't hunt it, in federal land, hunt those species on federal land in his own state. Yeah, got a little bit of a problem with that, as do I. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Campfire Conversations. We'll do it again soon. Y'all have a great day. If you're just making memories, you have to wait your turn. Because I've